welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Barry, and today we're pulling out our ice picks and our crampons. Dave's here to tell us how a midlife crisis can lead to doing greater works than Jesus. But before we do that, now that she's done falling off of Ego Mountain, please welcome in your favorite co-host, Marin. Marin, good day. <laughs> oh, and how mighty of a fall it is. <laughs> wow. Well done, Barry. Thank you. Like, if I had the applause thing that uh-huh, Tyler Which has, we don't have. I would touch it right now and we would give you tepid applause thank you for that i think he's gonna be real proud of you well i did use the word crampon you did and that's that, you know what that, that is i sure don't it's like little blades that you put on your sh- on your boot is to like right? climb up ice thank on mountain climbing clarifying. i had to make sure make sure everyone knew what i was wow. talking about how are you marin I sounds like <laughs> everything in your life is just going incredibly smoothly totally dandy barry and yourself <laughs> i'm doing all right <laughs> did uh did jed get his uh his like frequent shopper card for the huh. surgery uh whatever did he get like a little clip-on thing where they give him like four punches and the fifth one is free it's, i i mean if only because <laughs> only oh no he did have his knee surgery yesterday and i'm a little under the weather if you can't tell um but yeah he had his surgery yesterday morning and um it went well but maybe not as well as he had hoped so mm. he had torn his acl and he had tears in each of his meniscus discs also in that Ugh. knee um, so that the just ACL, sounds, I don't know what that is, and it sounds just awful. Yeah, I guess it was not good. Mm. <laughs> I, mm. I don't know. I met um, for a consultation with a surgeon post-op, yeah. and he said, well, it was really chewed up in there. So yeah. that, That's, that what doesn't did, sound good. What did he do? What did he do? I, I don't know if this was something that kind of was degenerating over time, but... Thankfully, the injury injury happened at work, hmm. and they oh, okay. they should have it, you know, on cameras or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. anyhow, he this was all kind of workman's comp. So Man. if there is a silver lining, I feel like this probably could have happened anywhere, but it it did happen to happen at work. So um, anyhow, did you guys get any sense of what the recovery time would be? Yeah, so we were told two weeks of absolute nothingness. Okay. So I was sick, really, really sick. Sunday, I stayed home from church. Jed took the kids to church and then stopped at GameStop on his way home to pick up, <laughs> to something, load up. something to do while he sits <laughs> on the couch for two weeks solid. Um, yeah, so he was told two weeks, but I think that was with with the hopes of being able to actually repair the meniscus discs. I don't know what they do to mm-hmm. repair them if they sew them i don't know um but Pro- probably it, that the surgeon said they couldn't repair it he used mm. the word ir- irreparable mm. which of course like my eyes got big and i yeah. said what well, hold on can we just back up to the word irreparable right. what do you mean by yeah. that and he said he was able to trim the disc wow. um which would i guess buy it some more life buy it some more time mm. and so i just flat out asked is are you telling me that jed is going to need a knee replacement anytime soon and he said oh yeah he'll need a knee replacement but not for another 30 or 40 years so oh he seemed less concerned about the acl or the, the acl part went fine the meniscus yeah. part was the irreparable part but he didn't seem that concerned about it he said the thing to really worry about is just the onset of arthritis mm. in that knee which yeah. at that point you know he he even said that lots of people have arthritis in their knees without knowing it because they don't manifest mm symptoms interesting so mm. if Pre- he, pretty much all of it worries me for sure all of it yeah he could say don't worry about it but what you just described he, all of yeah it. I, mean, I won't worry that you just trimmed my meniscus did a surgeon <laughs> just look at me and say irreparable yeah irreparable. of course i'm gonna yeah. worry about that so does oh, this yeah. mean no basketball for a little while well, barry i'm glad you asked oh he said he can shoot around lightly mm-hmm. six months from now and maybe get back to playing like half full court contact basketball nine months from now. So wow. guess what video game Jed got? NBA two K whatever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. He was sitting there yesterday with sharp. his hoop dreams and his <laughs> remote control. Aww. Making it happen. Well. With his trimmed meniscus. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I think Jed and I think that's gonna cut down on the recovery time because it wasn't as extensive. Yeah. Of a repair job, I guess. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he starts physical therapy this week, and keep him in your prayers. Keep oh, me Jed. in your prayers. Keep us in your prayers. And uh, friends of the pod, I just confirmed before the podcast, but it is true that, that Jed still does have his uh, ruptured appendix inside of his body. 
So so stay tuned for the <laughs> for the, that to happen someday. Stay tuned. Yeah, and we're oh. even live right oh. now. I just got a text from Jed, and he said recovery is going well so far. So yes. there you yeah. have it. Yeah, live I would, right I would now. say so. I All would right. say it's All going right. well. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, Father, how are you? Um, I'm okay. I'm yeah. a little time-worn. Is that a word? Yeah. It's kind of like when your meniscuses are worn. Yeah, I like somebody Somebody needs to trim my time mm. meniscus. Sometimes mm. time-worn can be like a good thing, like a patina on a nice old piece of wood. Are you like the good kind of time-worn? <laughs> no. <laughs> a good leather-bound book? No. You're not patina. No. Yeah. Not. <laughs> no, I'm just worn out. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Although I'd like to be... Le- yeah, whatever you said, leather worn. Yeah, no, is that the word? No, patina. Le- patina. Yeah. <laughs> what we've had crampon, meniscus, and then patina <laughs> in the first. That would be like minutes. a great name for like a trio oh. of people. Oh my like goodness! A, like a new band. Anyway, sorry. Uh, why? Why are you so time worn? What's going on? Just well, what life? What has gone on in the last seven days has been eight nine nine days now oh yeah we didn't have it last week because we were on our way to i guess we yeah we got to talk about that yeah Uh, me and tyler had a pod without y'all yes i listened listened to to it it. yeah Uh, i listened to it in the car on the way home i listened to it so from the memorial real quick catch us up on what what you were and and i were both doing last week well my mother passed away was i guess 10 days uh last a week ago saturday and then we drove out to pennsylvania west of philadelphia for the memorial service on wednesday and then barry and olivia and penny said let's just drive home all night yeah mm. let's drive through the night because i was like i'm out and i'm know, out and by i'm out what he meant what he actually said was want, i'll do whatever you guys decide i'll do whatever you decide and but I now we find out i that did he not complain about it however it's, it was rough. It's yes. brutal. And then I came back, and we had Covenant Community Friday night, and yep. then we had services this weekend, and I preached. So yep. time worn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Any any relief in sight in the near future? Yeah. After after I go lead a staff retreat at another church in two, <laughs> in two days. Uh, but then I'm going to take some time off, mm. which I really, really need. I need a few days off. Yeah. So, Good. yeah. Take it. It's all right. It's all right. Right on. I don't really have many updates from my world. Well, other you have than a new, you have a new bunny. We do. We uh, Kovu and Wilbur, our foster bunnies, got adopted, and literally within that same day, we got a new rabbit, uh, and her name is uh, Sheba. Sheba. She's very pretty. So she's our new, our new foster rabbit. Uh, the other, the other thing is we had to put Heather, the chicken, in the dog crate of shame. Oh no! Because she was starting to be a bully. Is she in your kitchen? No, no, no. That we put the crate now out with the other chickens. They they can see each other. They're just not. Uh, oh. But it turns out you have to isolate a bully, and she was pecking uh, Chester's feathers off his head. So Again. it was a different. Poor Chester. Kelly. Kelly was the first bully. But Chester has now been bullied twice. Yeah, he's he. Poor guy. He's just <laughs> counseling in his. I need future. to invent some kind of like little chicken yamaka for his bald spot because yeah. they keep all these feathers keep trying to grow back in, and the other chickens are like, nope. And they just pull them right out. Poor guy. Wow. Anyway, so he bleeds, and then we have to like put little chicken antibiotic like oh. <laughs> on their well, heads. You, you do? Yeah, yeah. Because if, if there's if they see more blood, they'll just keep pecking at it because they like red things, and they'll peck each other to death. So we have to prevent that, obviously. And so, anyway, so she the went into the dog crate of shame. The dog crate of shame for a few days, and Broken it really world. works. Kelly came back out of her time in the shame box, and she went straight to the bottom of the pecking order, and no longer bullied because she was the one being like wow yeah other chickens would look mm. at her and be like get and she'd walk away wow yeah go figure so we'll see how it works with heather but i think it yeah she's <laughs> all new i've all yeah new. i'm learning a lot about chicken psychology yeah. it's great do you still have horses on your property we do yeah the horses are in there and they are just a delight it's a lot of fun hanging out with them saying hi to them and getting to know lee he's my favorite he's quite the character so the bunnies yeah the chickens yeah the horses am mm. i missing anything there's probably other animals. Well, I know that I did hear two feral cats like screaming at each other in the wood pile in the old barn at one point, but I haven't seen them since. So I haven't decided whether like does that count as my responsibility to maintain their well-being I mean, if or they wandered onto your property. I guess so, but pretty providential I, but, to me. But I've not seen them since. I can't find I them, so I don't know. Maybe they were just wandering 
Maybe we're just wandering. Uh, Does that mean the chipmunks that steal my tomatoes, if they wander onto my property, am be, I responsible? They're in your I don't, your <laughs> domain. I don't know. I don't know how to. We haven't really navigated this yet <laughs> <laughs> to decide. But anyway, yeah. So things on the farm are good. Still working on the uh, the bathroom vanity that I was. Did we talk about that last time? Was I doing Maybe that yet? Maybe two weeks ago we talked about the bathroom vanity. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. going to be a live edge. This is your next woodworking project. Yeah, it's like a live edge slab uh, black walnut that I'm I'm turning into a... I'll put the sink basin into it and it's going to be really cool looking. So, yeah. But are we going to talk about Lane? Of course. We have to talk about Lane. Yeah, that's, that's happening. Are we going to talk about him? Of course. Go ahead, So Dave. let's... No, I just didn't know. I mean, <laughs> no, we are. So the reason <laughs> that Tyler's not here, we probably should have led with this so people would understand why I'm doing the intro. The reason Tyler's not here, as he said last time, is that he is now a father again. <laughs> what, do you, what do you say? A, t- a twice father. Father of he two. Is, he is, they are now um, proud parents of Lane. Lane, oh shoot, what's his middle name? Uh, I know this. Oh, Philip. Yes. Lane, Philip. Bender, Bender. and he looks like a clone of Milo. It's hilarious. He does. (laughs) He looks so cute. I haven't gotten a chance to see him in person, but Olivia was there when she was taking care of Milo when they were bringing him home, and so she got to be there when Milo saw Lane for the first time. She showed me videos and stuff, and it just like freaking adorable. (laughs) And he was just absolutely smitten with his little brother, and he was like kissing him and he showed him all the things in his room oh, and he was reading yeah. the books it was oh, these adorable days are magical. oh yeah that is awesome yeah can't wait till he finds out that this kid's here to stay yeah. and is actually going to now take all of his mom's <laughs> attention and everything but well. i don't i think that milo will be a very nurturing brother he's yeah. just the sweetest he kid. is a sweet kid yeah. absolutely <laughs> anyway That's awesome. congratulations tyler and lauren yeah yes we're so happy Congrats. for you guys yeah, actually, uh, named after Phil Bender, That's right. handyman, jack-of-all-trades, who was in my kitchen this morning, <laughs> cutting a hole in my ceiling above my table. Oh, okay. Yeah, we talked about that, I think, two episodes ago. Uh-huh. Tyler had had water issues yep. at the same time that I had had water issues. So Phil came to help us out. Did he figure it out? Did he get it sorted? I think we know where it's coming from, but it's something he told us to test again tonight when the kids are home and just kind of peek our heads up there mm-hmm. and make sure it's what he thinks it is and... I think he's making a return trip Thursday. So thank you, Phil Bender. Sorry I'm super sick and didn't come out of my room. <laughs> Phil's, Phil's the greatest. He was actually one of my like youth leaders guys back in the day. He was in the band when I was playing bass guitar oh, in the yes. in the high school band, and he had his 12-string his guitar, and it was the coolest. And coolest it sound. It was the coolest sound. Rich and full. Yes, Tinny yes. And so good. Anyway, all right, so we are... <laughs> We are here today to continue what we do always, which is to talk about the sermon. And Dad, you gave a great sermon this week, uh, and it was all about mountains and things and John, the book of John. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you shared, maybe what your big idea was for anybody who might have missed it. Am I doing this right? I'm trying to say all the things Tyler always says. Yeah. Uh, For anyone who may have missed it or or forgotten. We don't have sound effects. Yeah, public service announcement. All right. Everybody do your favorite sound effect of yourself. Go. Oh, of ourselves? Yeah, ready? Let's do this. I love squirrel noises. You're grown-up boy. There <laughs> <laughs> we go. There we go. Uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're, who needs the, who needs the iPad? We're right here. We are the iPad. <laughs> Dad, what was your, um, uh, it was about, big idea? Yeah, the big idea was that, um, in addition to the myriad of things that Jesus came to do, um, he also came to take ordinary people and move us towards what I called, or what David Brooks has named, the second mountain of destiny. So, um, yeah, so the big, that was a big idea. And it was based on John 14, where Jesus told his um, followers, if you believe in me, then you will do the same works that I do, only there'll be greater works. Mm-hmm. And then he said, ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. So that was the passage. So, yeah, it was about destiny and calling, and um, I painted a picture and actually drew a picture of two mountains. first mountain is the mountain of identity and the American dream, mm-hmm. and inevitably there is a fall that happens, either because of failure or pain or tragedy or even just a midlife crisis or just wondering, is this all there is? And you get to the Valley of Bewilderment. And then the next step is, do you want to start climbing the second mountain of destiny? Hmm. 
So you That's the whole sermon. I just gave There you go. Time. That was it. There yeah. it is. <laughs> Done. So you described the first mountain as a mountain that everybody is seeking to climb mm-hmm. as they are what? Starting out in their yeah, life. Every, and every adult starts their life. Um, probably could say teens too, but um, yeah, that's what they're shooting for. And they do that because that's sort of what we do in America mm. um, and worldwide, I would say. Mm-hmm. So to climb success and yeah, success, and how, would you def- how would you define the American dream? Well, uh, success, security, happiness, um, nice home, nice family, nice vacations, nice, good friends, good food. I mean, all the happy, secure things. Mm. Um there's some possessiveness having having things, but a lot of it is security and success mm. and happiness. But then after that, that mountain is climbed, or as people are climbing that mountain, there's a fall. Is it? Is yeah. it? Does everybody experience that fall? No. As a matter of fact, a guy came up to me after the service and he asked me that very question. He mm. said, I, "I haven't experienced that fall." I said, "I don't think everyone experiences it, but just about everybody at some point in their life goes, is this all there is, or is there more, or?'" Who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a sword. It's not a fall as much as a uh, <coughs> reconfiguring <coughs> of who you are in this world. Mm. Everyone, I think, goes through that. And everyone experiences pain and loss. Oh, yeah. Maybe not in a tragic sense or in a crisis or mm. some sort of giant moral failure or yeah. personal failure. But And I, mean, I would, yeah, I would maintain, too, if you have experienced pain and loss, um, if you pay attention to your life, you're going to be at least a little bewildered, mm. if not a lot bewildered. I mm. have to stop you at that word yeah. because I, like I said, I wasn't able to go to church Sunday morning, came home. Well, my kids came home. Desi climbed up into my sick bed. She should not have done, <laughs> but she, yeah, yeah she, she cuddled a lot with her sick mom this weekend. Um, but I asked her what the sermon was about and she said, oh, Destiny Mountains. <laughs> like, okay, you want to expound on that? And she said, she described it very well, what you just said. And then, mm. you know, you're trying to find your identity and become successful. Then you fall into the valley of bewilderment. And when she said that, the hairs on my arms stood up. Mm. Did he use that word? Did he use the word bewilderment? She's like, yeah. And I I couldn't believe it because a week ago was my first Sunday back um, leading worship after my mom had passed. And mm. You gave that message about um, relief from the fear of death Mm. and, um, you know, just the great beyond and all the things that you said. Well, somebody who had herself just experienced um, significant loss, the loss of her husband, came to me after service, hugged me and said she was sorry to hear about my loss. So we stood there kind of comforting one another the best we could and describing where we were at in our own grieving process and I looked at her and said, I'm not mad at God. I, I'm bewildered. Mm-hmm. It's the wow. word I use. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't it's use, not a common word. I don't use that word a lot. No. And she's like, huh, I like that word, bewildered. Yeah, I'm bewildered too. Interesting. I could not believe that's the word you chose to describe yeah. that valley. That might have been a David Brooks word from his book when he was talking. I think he, I don't know if he called it the valley of bewilderment, but he described that sense of, yeah. Being bewildered. Un- mm. Unsure. Un- I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know how I feel. Yeah. I don't know what I. It put me on notice and it felt like a, like the ringing of a bell, mm-hmm. like a wake up, pay attention to this mm-hmm. for me personally, yeah. because I just heard that word come out of my mouth mm-hmm. last Sunday. Yeah. So when we talk about this first mountain, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about this. Do you think that that first mountain is ultimately not hollow. Is it is it ultimately fruitless to climb that mountain? Or is it something that we all are going to climb to some extent? Yeah. But we should also really be focusing on the second mountain. How does how do you yeah. see it? Well, I, I don't want to I'm gonna mix metaphors here because Richard Rohr in his book uh Falling Upward <clears throat> talks about the two halves the two halves of life, the mm. two journeys of life. So in one way you could look at at the two the two mountains. He describes the first journey or the first mountain as the building of the container of Mm. your life and the second half of your life as finding the contents for that container. Mm. Describe the second mountain. What does it mean to climb that mountain from the the Valley of Bewilderment? Yeah, okay. Uh, Climbing it and we want to talk about the mountain itself. Yeah, what does that mean? And then we'll talk about climbing it. it. So the mountain itself um, is... 
well, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's those things that I was prepared for. It is our calling. It is our destiny, our unique destiny that is only ours. But it's the kind of destiny that intersects with the brokenness of the world um, and changes the world. Hmm. It, it's what, what did Brooks call it? And he said, you move from acquisition to... Uh, oh, I got this. You got this. Acquisition to contribution. Yep. From building up ego to shedding ego. Yeah. From defining self to losing self. Yeah, yeah. So the th- on the second half of those equations is the second mountain. Um, mm-hmm. Now, climbing that mountain um, is, what's that uh, old Quaker saying, let your life speak. It is looking at your life and letting your life speak and looking at your personality, your skills, your abilities, and your passions and starting to look at who you are and starting to live into what you can be and what your passions are. That's that's climbing. Um, I don't know that we ever achieve the summit of that mountain. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever do. It's it's almost like a perpetual climb to the greatest impact that we can have. Hmm. It's interesting. As I think about this second <clears throat> mountain, and I think what, what does it actually feel like <clears throat> and what does it look like when you're living out your purpose, when you've got especially, you know, finding your your calling within the kingdom of God, sometimes the things that motivate you to climb that first mountain are actually fulfilled by climbing the second mountain in a roundabout way. Like, happiness, you know, security. Yeah, I want, ha- I want happiness. When I climb that second mountain, I find, like, joy, true joy. Right. I want, you know, security. When I'm climbing that second mountain, all of my security is found in the Lord, and I don't yeah. I don't have to worry as, as much as I used to it. And that kind of thing. I wonder if that's if that's what it's meant to be. Yeah, as a matter of fact, again, I keep quoting these guys. Richard Rohr says that climbing the second mountain or the second half of your life, there are new adventures and new joys to be discovered. So it's not like uh, I shed all the fun, right? And now no. I'm working my butt off for the rest of my life. No, it is. It's finding the new joys and the new <laughs> and the new um, the new understanding of success. Yeah. Yeah, on the second mountain. You quoted uh, David Brooks as saying, people on the second mountain, they know why they were put on this earth and they derive deep satisfaction from what they've been called to do. Mm. They take on the burden of others, so life is not easy for them, but they have a serenity about them, a settled resolve. Yeah. And we, you know, when I first read that quote, faces came to mm. mind. We know the people in our lives who have a sense of serenity. And and you know what? That doesn't mean they don't have trouble. As a mm. matter of fact, they probably face, what did he say? Their their, their life is not easy. Yeah. You right. know, but there's mm. a serenity about them. And part of it's because I am where I should be. Yeah. That's a different kind of serenity. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a level of being rooted in, in your identity that comes with that second mountain that you you're not swayed by external factors nearly as much because you know who you are you know why you're here you know where you're headed so the the ups and downs the inevitable ups and downs of your life don't necessarily knock you off course the way they would if you were purely trying to achieve yeah or yeah that was my question do you think do you think we only hit that valley of bewilderment once or do you think it's a series of valleys uh, I don't know. I think we'd have to ask each person because um, I think every life is every life is different. There might be a swale and then a deep valley and mm-hmm. then a swale. And, you know, um, mm-hmm. maybe it's the big fall. Maybe it's just a series of little falls. I think every every person's different. And what they do on the other side really determines whether they retreat to the first mountain or move on to the second. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it could be big, could be sh- many, could be. And I honestly think that you don't have you don't have to go through life having the big tragedy. You just don't. It doesn't. But it all depends on how you see your life, I suppose. Yeah. Also, our stories are rarely linear. It's usually. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you start finding some purpose, but then you get waylaid by this desire for acquisition, and then you find your way back to. It's not. You know, the yeah, average person does not one do go from one to two. Although yeah. there is a pretty significant shift that happens when you give your life to Christ mm-hmm. and it does begin a different kind of journey but it's 
it's probably not as linear as it uh, you know as the diagram would probably make it seem yeah. for some but and i would say uh when a person does surrender their life to jesus christ that should elicit a deeper hunger not a satiation mm. meaning if we think if i give and if i accept christ if i surrender my life to christ and then i'm just like what did uh, tom sign said what then I just live for Fat City and wait mm-hmm. for soul rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, you really haven't surrendered to Christ. Yeah, I think for a lot of us, when we initially surrender our lives to Christ, maybe we think that that's part of the American dream. Mm. You know, mm. we live here, we're a Christian nation, yep. go to church. Yep. It's and and then there's a fall, <laughs> a, yeah. a, a bewildering um, disappointment of life, or something that throws all of that into question. Mm. Um, yeah. And maybe that's, I know that's where I'm finding part of myself right now. I would say <clears throat> I'm definitely climbing that calling and purposefulness always and ever looking for my purpose on this earth. But using that word bewildered last weekend mm-hmm. leads me to believe I'm somewhere in that mm-hmm. valley of bewilderment, mm-hmm. um, you know, despite being a lifelong Christ follower. And well, Marin, look at you. I mean, the transition you've been through in the last several years. In the name of Jesus. Come on. <laughs> right. I mean, it can is. we just say bewildering? Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And, and fat, here's something. I, I think I, this was in a conversation I had with somebody after the message. Uh, we were talking about the disciples and I don't know if they said it or I said it, but we, we determined that Jesus did his best to push them off the first mountain. Mm-hmm. There was a knocking down of each of them uh, so that, I mean, he forced them into the Valley of Bewilderment. Yeah. One of the things you said in your message that stood out to me was that uh, your, when you think about the disciples as just a big group, like as a whole, mm-hmm. that's that's one thing. But when yeah. you actually realize each one of them was an individual with their own individual mountain of right. self to climb and right. all of that. Can you can you elaborate more on what you meant by that and and a little bit of what you were kind of getting at with that? Yeah, I mean each each one of them um they didn't have the American dream, but they had their version of the Judean dream or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it <clears throat> that they were trying to live. And each one of them, if you just look whatever snippets of stories we have about them, whether it's Matthew or Peter or James or Jonathan, each one of them has this unique thing. You can look at Matthew and say, "What what series of decisions that Matthew go through to become a cheater that would rip people off yeah. of money. Yeah. So you have to think, okay, well then he, he knew he was going to do that, but he knew that would make him successful or wealthy or whatever else. What the heck was going through Judas's mind? Yeah. Why did Peter vacillate back and forth between following Jesus and going back uh, to to fish? And why was Thomas always in his head? And why was Martha the way she was? The whole idea was they were they were on some developed mountain, that first mountain, trying to define their identity in the world, and then they met Jesus. Yeah, and he said, essentially, walk with me. And he showed them themselves, and then just pushed him right off the mountain. So mm-hmm. they had to struggle and come up with, and start the second mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking to my sister on the phone yesterday or the day before. Um, she. She told me she's moving from nearby South Bend to North Carolina. So, of course, lots of tears. Yeah. That's, we're very close. But um, I'm proud of her, and she's going. Um, her husband's kind of taking a position with the church down there. And I know that on the other side of that, we're going to look back and say, oh, man, if you never would have moved there, hmm. your daughters never would have met their husbands yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's going to be great. But right now, it's just mm. one more thing. Mm, it's yeah. just one more sad thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm choosing to focus on the positive side of it and encourage her and give her my mm. blessing to go. But as we were talking, I was telling her, I guess what I could in this context call stories of how he has been with me mm. in this valley of bewilderment, mm. um, starting with before she died. Mm. So I, I think it was just yesterday or the day before I looked at the actual timeline of when these words came to me of when I felt the spirit speaking to my heart. And the first was, um, I took my kids to Mounds state park recently and it was just me and the kids. 
and it was a nasty day. I didn't even know how far we'd make it on this hike. It was. I feel like most of the cold times drizzly. you guys are hiking is in the terrible weather. What's that about? It's been this year. It's been whenever the kids have had a day off school. Yeah. It just so happens to be the worst <laughs> weather imaginable. So we celebrate it in true Gaffron form, and we go outside. So we were hiking, and I think I might have shared this story. I might not have months ago when we first went on this hike, but it was November 19th. Hmm. one month to the day before my mom went to heaven. November 19th, we're walking through the woods. Things are dead. It's really gross. It's gray. It's rainy. And I feel the Spirit speak to my heart saying, you're going to have to look harder to find the beauty in the gray days to come. Hmm. And the deeper we went into this valley as we got more towards the White River, the moss became more vibrant, almost like electric green, and definitely against a gray backdrop. Their color just yeah. screamed out loud color, mm. and it was beautiful, but we had to go deeper mm. to get there for me to see it. And so I scratched that little note down, tucked it away in my head. Okay, I'm going to have to work harder. I'm going to have to look harder to see the beauty around yeah. me in these gray days. Mm -hmm. And January has just been nasty. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes gray days so then that was the 19th of november one month to the day before she went home on december 7th i filled my gas tank up or at least i thought i filled my gas tank up and i shared this with your wife about a week before my mom died um with penny i should say um i, I put 20 bucks in my gas tank and the needle got right underneath that full mark and I was frustrated because I'm one of those people. I want to see it at full or above. Yeah. <laughs> I want that feeling as I drive away when I'm looking in my rearview mirror to make sure I closed my gas tank door. I'm, <laughs> I just want to know that it's full. And I looked at it and I felt cheated. I felt, man, if I would have just not been so cheap, if I would have put five more dollars <laughs> in my tank, I could have had that good feeling. Almost wanted to go back to the gas tank your gas station and just yeah. do it. Here's five bucks. I just want that feeling. And I felt the Spirit speak to my heart and say, look at the fullness. Hmm. Look at how much gas you just put in your tank. <laughs> it's, it's almost full. Don't focus on the sliver of emptiness or the sliver of, of nothing. Focus on the fullness. Wow. And then I, I, that, that immediately went to my mom's life, which at that point was only days left. And don't focus on the the sliver of time you think you have left with your mom, focus on the fullness, mm -hmm. focus on all of the years. So I say that to say, I, I am finding myself in this valley, this yeah. valley of bewilderment and the scriptures that you used about asking anything in his name, only even more just threw me for a loop or made me shake my fists. Like, but, but we did ask you yeah. in mm -hmm. your name. What do you even mean by that? Mm -hmm. Many of us, I'm sure who are in the Valley of Bewilderment look at that scripture and say, what? Yeah. Depending upon why we find ourselves bewildered, but especially if it's a painful loss, like, like I just went through. Um, so he's telling me to be grateful. He's telling me to look harder for beautiful things. I'll see them. Just going to take a little more, a little more work. And I'm in the copy room at the Fishers campus and I take a book off of what I'm assuming is a free shelf. Hope it was. I'll, <laughs> I'll return the book if it's not. I haven't marked in it. Um, but I, I just have felt so dry. Oh, my, my spirit is just dust. Hmm. And I don't know how I can continue to do what I do with a spirit of dust. So I knew I needed some sort of like invigoration. Hmm. So I reached for a book. There's got to be something on this shelf that that'll help. I just kind of wanted to start from, from nothing, not hmm. from something I had a familiarity with. Start from something fresh. And so I saw this book. I liked the cover. It said it was a New York Times bestseller, so I grabbed it. It's A Thousand Gifts by Ann Voskamp. Oh. <laughs> and it's all about gratitude oh, yeah. Yeah. and perspective. Yes, it is. And again, like that moment when I heard you use the word bewilderment and a giant alarm was ringing in my head of, wake up, pay attention. I've told you this. Yeah. You've, I'm here. I'm here. He's here with me in the mm. Valley of Bewilderment. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I just read in her book, she says, when I realize that it's not God who is in my debt, but I who am in his great debt, then doesn't it all become a gift? Mm. And then she quoted Job, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Mm. Yeah. So that if, if that helps anybody, I know that that 
that's helping me as I struggle and I wrestle with that particular verse in John 14 and then again in 15:5 ask anything in my name and it'll be done. Yeah. But I'm I'm right there with you. I'm searching yeah. for for the truth yeah. of what that means especially as it pertains to this valley. Well the Okay, so here's what's peculiarly wonderful about you. And ever since I've met you, this has been true of you. And you actually used this phrase twice in the last couple of minutes. Um, You pay attention as much as anyone I know. You pay attention to life. You pay attention to Jesus. You pay attention to what you hear. I don't think anybody escapes the Valley of Bewilderment if they don't pay attention. Mm. They will not get anywhere. Mm. You have to pay attention to your life. You have to pay attention to your pain, pay attention to the voice of God. And when we pay attention, it gets clearer Mm -hmm. and we start moving again. But if we don't pay attention, there's really no hope. We're kind of on our own. Hmm. And I don't think you, I don't think we do it without paying attention. So if, and those of you who are listening and you are, you know, friends of the pod, you know that this, what I'm saying is true about Marin. And I think one of the reasons why God brought her to this community was to teach us how to pay attention. Mm. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Amen to that. Thank you. That was one of my questions is how do you find your way to, how do you even begin to go up that mountain, Mm. that second mountain of purposefulness? If you're at the base of it, still in the Valley of Bewilderment. The the image that hits me is, uh, I mean, if you go hiking a lot, you've probably experienced something like this, but there are some paths that you walk that are huge and they're like paved and they're like you know easily well marked and and that's kind of like the path up that first mountain it's it's so easy to find that path because everybody walks it and it's like you know you they're gonna have it paved not even just gravel they're gonna have it paved the other path is like a tiny little dirt strip that is nestled between a couple of rocks that if you don't if you're not looking at it the right angle at the right time of day you probably are just gonna walk right past it but it's there the question is, are you are you looking for it and are you listening listening to your trail guide <laughs> who's trying to show it to you? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's funny because I I do hike a lot and when I see a small little trail like that, yeah. I think, Oh, that's not for me. Hmm. That was some mountain biker with like oh, right. super strong lungs that just like <laughs> paved his own way yeah. and made this tiny trench. Yeah. I will walk right past that path and say, That's for somebody else. That's not for me. Yeah. It's also possible that it could have been deer. <laughs> so in that case, it's probably not good to go down that path. Yep. So one other thing about the Valley of Bewilderment, and I, this is only, this is an observation. So for the past, I don't know, two or three or four years, I've spent a lot of time on this subject with people, individually, with groups. And here's an observation. Um, many, many times... The pain, the tragedy, the loss becomes the source or foundation of the destiny. Second Corinthians 1, Paul said, the comfort that we receive from God is the comfort that we then deliver to other people. The way I see it is when we go through whatever we go through, at that, and we receive the comfort from God, mm. the clock starts to tick. And God is looking at us saying, okay, you're on the clock. Now deliver the comfort you receive from me to others. And I, th- I think a lot of destinies and calling are come right out of tragedy, mm. right out of pain, right out of brokenness, even from things that happened to us way, way, way back in our life. It was the seed that was planted for a destiny to come. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely true of many of the people that I know. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's been my case. I haven't had almost any tragedy in my life that's that, beyond yeah. the doesn't very ordinary. The, it doesn't happen all the time to people, but a lot of times it does. Well, maybe it's maybe it doesn't have to be a tragedy. Like, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think we've talked about this before. When a seed goes into the ground, doesn't it essentially have to die before mm-hmm. it can give life Well, it has to, to break open new. and stop being a seed, for one thing. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And that's... I'm sure if you're a seed, that's got to be hard. It's got to be scary. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I can think that there's times in your life where difficult things had to happen yeah. in order to propel you forward into the next leg of your journey. Well, I'll tell you what happened. And I, I'm actually, I'm speaking at the high school winter retreat, the merge winter retreat in a couple weekends, and we're talking about identity. Mm. And so one of the stories that I'm going to tell 
is this one that when I went to Kenya in 2005, I went and lived there for a year. I've talked about that a lot. Sorry. But when I did that, uh, all of the things I thought that identified me, my sense of humor, what I thought was interesting, like my ability to communicate with people, all of it didn't work in Kenya at all. Like it was a cross-cultural experience. Nobody thought I was funny. Like it was just like everything I thought I knew about myself collapsed and obviously I was still alive. So there had to be some me that was still there. So I had to begin the process of starting over to figure out who, who am I even? And that, that was the beginning of God working, shaping me into having a purpose that was beyond myself. And so in a sense, I did go into the Valley of Bewilderment, but it didn't come through tragedy. It came through the demolishing, the demolishing of myself. Right. The assumptions of myself. Yeah. Well, remember that, and I said this this past weekend, the Valley of Bewilderment, bewilderment doesn't come through pain and tragedy all the time. Sometimes it comes through just life-altering circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even midlife crises or quarter-life crises, mm-hmm. that crisis is that, who am I? Um, and again, Richard Rohr says that in the second part of the journey or the second mountain is when you find the you, the true self, that starts to fill the container that you built in the first part mm. of your life. Mm. So tell me about your work with the college students in Iowa. You mentioned that the fraternity. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. Are for for somebody that age who's barely begun to live life, barely barely begun to really build that container. Yeah. What what kind of what are you suggesting when you're in that room? Yeah. Well, I should back up and say that we. My work with the fraternity started with, uh, essentially, I was just consulting with the CEO who attends Grace, mm-hmm. Wynn Smiley, who attends Fisher's campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were talking about the future of ATO and the history of ATO and where it came from. And, and I, won't be- I won't belabor the, the thing, but we came to the point where we wanted to actually emphasize destiny with these young men. And honestly, I'll be, I didn't know. How's this going to work with 19 to 23-year-old guys, right. do they even have that sense? So we crafted what I now call a destiny workshop, and it's essentially was a Friday night, Saturday deal where we examined, We I took these guys through a process of examining their life story, their personality, their um, skills, abilities, and gifts, and then their passion. And what came out of it at the end was what I call a calling quilt, which is essentially a uh, Patches of your life. Look, You look at patches of your life, and then we try to determine when we look at them what might be your calling, your destiny. So I didn't know how this was going to go. And real quick, the patches of your life are things like what? Your experiences, oh, important the, people in your life. Yeah, mentors. Calling, or a, the ups, uh, the downs, the tragedy, skills. the disappointment, the wonderful things, the turning points in my life, the people in my life. Your grandma who loved you and, and, and imparted to you some aspect of her that is now you the enemy in your life who told you you couldn't be this, but look what you've become because of that enemy. Mm-hmm. Those, all those aspects of your journey, um, the loss of this, the you know, and on and on. Um, yeah, so what came out of it? I was shocked at the response to these guys. And we can, we've since done it at Ball State. We're going to be going down to LSU to do it. Mm. We're doing a national conference around this workshop, and we continue to be surprised at the response of these young men. And you know one of the common things I've heard, Marin, from these young guys is how they have all, they've begun their college journey. Not, not all of them say this, but many of them said, I've begun this part of my life doing what other people think I need to be and do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're forming. They're even. They're walking up that first mountain of somebody else's understanding of their identity. Yeah. Right. And so when when you stop and you point to a person and said, "No, there's something unique about you that was that was in you from before you were born." Mm. There's a summons on your life. It's like the their eyes they just light up. Mm. And um, yeah, so that's it, it's been an interesting discovery. Now, not all of them got into it but the majority of them thought it was awesome yeah I, do we have to go through a valley like this to get to that other mountain no no you mean the valley of bewilderment yeah no yeah. no you don't have to go uh, as a matter of fact what i'm hoping with these guys with these college guys is that we can maybe they won't have to go through mm. yeah the valley if they're if they're already 
preset to consider the second mountain. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, that would be ideal mm-hmm. I, that somebody wouldn't have to go through that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm raising two kids of my own and I'm thinking I'd not to say that that first mountain is an entire waste. I don't want to call it that, but no, it's not. I don't want them to spend any more time on yep. that mountain yeah. than is necessary before they get to that second right. mountain. Right. And I would really love if they could get to that second mountain without having to army crawl through the valley of bewilderment. Yeah. If you pre, if we preload, it's interesting you say that. I had somebody approach me after the service this weekend. And he said, why aren't we teaching our high schoolers this? Mm. And, I mean, I've obviously I've worked with college guys, and now somebody's asking, do we need to go younger? Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't. And now hearing this from you, I'm thinking maybe there is some sort of, um, I don't know, maybe we need to preload them with, with this. Well, I think, I think we definitely have to, and here's why. Because... The first mountain is being preloaded way earlier than it used to. When I was True. young, I didn't, I didn't even give a thought to that first mountain until at least, I mean, junior year of high school was the first time in my life I ever thought, what do I want to be when I grow up? Like to the point of, I need to actually pick a college and like a path and all that. I didn't think about, now you've got middle school students who are, That's who right. are like absolutely destroying themselves to yes. get grades because they want to make sure they get into the right program in high school so they can get to the right college, so they can get the right career. I mean, that, well, ultimately so that they can be secure and happy yeah. and, or worst case scenario, be what somebody tells me I should be. Yeah. Right. And so you've got, you've got middle school kids that are just beset with anxiety and depression because they've got all this pressure yeah. on them. So I think we're not going to change the cultural facts by ourselves that that this is being forced upon our children but we can tell them that there's another mountain and we can also show them there's another mountain when those of us who are climbing the second mountain already look back point to it and they see us on this on this is who i am yeah. this is what i this is what i do i think in your case you and jed's case Marin, i think your kids are going to they're going to see what is they're going to understand what the valley of bewilderment is mm-hmm. before they even hit it themselves mm-hmm. And they're also going to see what a journey up the second mountain looks like by seeing you. And they're going to learn how to pay attention like you. Yeah. The average kid doesn't get that. Yeah. Yeah. They just don't, they don't get that. Well, and our high schoolers in particular, they do sit and they hear our sermons if they're present Sunday morning. And Mm -hmm. I love being able to recap with my kids. You know, even when we're all in the same room, we're sitting across the room from each other. They sure. don't sit with mom they're and dad They're in the cool kids section. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm always looking to see if they're, you know, scribbling or nodding off or whatever. Yeah. And we always recap. What did you What yeah. did you hear from that? What came out of that? So mm-hmm. um, they are paying attention. Yeah. And yeah. they are getting this. Yeah. Very cool. Well, any, any final thoughts about uh, this series, Relief, before we it turn the page? Quick. Yeah, it this, was quick. This is the end of the series. The it's end four of weeks long. The whole month. End of relief. Yeah, Only I'm so anxious. We I have, I've got so much anxiety. I need some relief. I had one one uh, person ask me, or he said, he said, I wish we could just do this series every mm. week because I need it. Yeah. You know, and I I said, yeah, but, but there's another one coming. So, <laughs> tell <laughs> but us, I, what is the other one coming? Yeah, it's I'll cool, tell you. But it's cool. Oh, here we go. He's, he's Ooh, now, I'm excited. He's gonna um, geek out on us here. Here we go. It is called Return to Eden, and it's about the Old Testament law, <laughs> which is the last thing you'd ever think. But um, basically, we're gonna. It's it's a BYOB series where we're. That's what we call Bring Your Own Bible, where we're gonna help grace people engage with a portion of the, of scriptures of the scriptures as well as to continue the storyline of the people of God that we've been following for several years now uh you know that we watched walked through Exodus and they went through the wilderness and then they are now reaching Mount Sinai where they are receiving the law well the law as we think of it is very boring and very odd and sometimes a little bit off-putting and so I'm going to attempt to not only explain what the law is, but to put it in a context that actually matters to us today and links what the Old Testament law was with the entire storyline of Scripture and thus the storyline that every one of us is a part of. And you're finally going to explain the business about mildew and mixed fabrics, right? That's actually, (laughs) unfortunately, I wish I could, but that's Tim's week talking about holiness. So I'm going to give him some some thoughts on where I was going to go with it, and then he can just take (laughs) it wherever he wants. But 
We are. Yeah, we're going to talk about that because it yeah. actually does matter. And all of it is a little sneak preview for this weekend when I kind of set up the big idea. The, all of it has to do with humanity returning to the garden, the place mm-hmm. of dwelling with God and fully engaging in the life that we were ex- we were meant to experience. Well, the life and the fullness that we were meant to experience, that we were made to experience, but that we lost and continue to lose when we choose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, which I will explain instead of evil. I'll explain it. Got to come this weekend. I'm telling you, there are going to be some things that I will drop this weekend that people will be like, what? Like mind blowing. I've heard this story a thousand times. I've never heard that before. There will be some of that. So Mm. get excited. It's going to be fun. I am. I'm excited. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, basically, I'm, yeah, I won't get into it. All right. We'll, uh, we'll talk <laughs> no more about spoilers. that next week, assuming that we're able to figure out how to pod without Tyler if this works. Bless his heart. Uh, he's, Bless our hearts. But, yeah, yeah. We're the ones doing the hard work. Yeah. He's just sitting so, at home with a baby. I have to say, because you mentioned BYOB series, yes. it reminded me of an actual conversation that happened in my house this week. Okay. I don't know why we were on the subject, but Jaden said, Do you remember when Dave danced? And I'm like, Dave danced on oh you mean like was he flossing on stage you, Dave you <laughs> yeah, did a yeah, dance I did yeah. and Jaden says yeah I think that was that BYOB series he's like was that last summer or two summers ago so then we had to count it on our fingers and yeah. figure out ah, I think that was two summers ago and he goes yeah that was awesome you need to do that again that was a great series BYOB, wow. my 16-year-old. Wow. Well, there it well is. done, Barry. Hey, that All makes right. me feel well done, amazing. <laughs> yes. He All would right. be so excited. We're well, doing it Well, if he still again. feels that way at the end of this <laughs> next six-week series, then uh, we know we're on the right track. So. Absolutely. I think people have been digging in because we're giving them tools they didn't have before. Yes, yeah. About true. how to view the scriptures. This is true. Yeah. But what, what do we always say? The world behind the text, the world yeah. of mm-hmm. the text, the world, world in front, front of the text. text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's good. And we're digging in. And that is awesome. Cool. That's awesome. I'm pumped. So, uh, yeah, we'll get back to that hopefully next weekend uh, or hopefully next week on the pod. But until then, Marin, would you please send us out? I will. Do justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly. <laughs> with thy God. Are we doing that? You can do it without. And then <laughs> and then we'll have Wes put the audio in over it later. That just was wrong. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, it was good. That was good. No, maybe we'll just leave it there. That's perfect. <laughs>